0: Everyone alright. I'm on pretty yeah. yeah. Yeah I'm pretty good. Yeah. I ain't got much in the way of Bance to start off this week. Not no got any 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 witty, you know, nonsense to take us journeying through. I mean, let's call a spade a spade. I've usually got nonsense, but we can't call it witty. I usually have stupid garbage to spill, uh like like so many wayward uh trash trucks, but uh, I've been all business this past week. All business uh last week um last week's podcast was recorded the day before the v1 release of vampire survivors yes it was which has now launched uh, alongside my writing which is still a complete and utter trip it is surreal to see my writing in the game and see my name in the credits fucking wacky I I, I I stringed that for eleven thousand people on steam that yeah. day that was that was pretty
1: fun Mhm. It's, it's real good thank you thank you. you you did real good stuff people seem to be loving your stuff and that's good because they should because it's great yeah um
0: everyone except a small group of twats um who modded out one particular bestie re-entry within the hour Of the game's launch um, Because, you know, it mentions um, A trans person Uh, Aside from that small group of of Tantrum throwers, uh, the response has been Really good, really good indeed We've also posted The um, debut show For Spectrum Wrestling um, Which features some wonderful commentary From Laura Kate Dale, from my uh, esteemed co-host here, Laura uh, Alongside my trainer uh, uh, Liam Slater Both of them did a really good job And that's available on the Spectrum Wrestling YouTube channel Which, because that channel is new I don't have a custom URL for it uh, But you can find the link on Twitter At Spectrum PW So really glad to have that up finally Really nicely edited Fee did a really good job editing it and um, Yeah, it's a great show And we have also announced the next show November 19th, is that right? Yes, November 19th in Sheffield, once again, our next show is called Collide Oscope. It's going to be really good. I'll be there. Priscilla, The Freak Show, Simon Miller um, is confirmed uh, alongside many others. It's going to be a really good show. Um, we've started putting the card together, really proud of it. Um, if you can make it, Sheffield, tickets are available at uh, buytickets.at slash Spectrum Wrestling. Uh, do please come along. Those are the main ones, other than finding out I've got to get a fucking root canal. That's that's no fun. Not pleased with that. Even less fun is that you have to wait to get one. I've got to wait a couple of weeks, and even drinking a glass of water right now, like, just the moment it touches it, it's like, meh. Yeah. Uh, so that sucks. Um, also, I'm writing up my review for Gotham Knights, but we will talk about that in a moment. Oh, we got uh, so many games to talk about this week. we got a lot. Like, we might as well get cracking. Look at that, like
1: under four minutes Alright
0: Who's played a video game they want to jump in with? Anyone Anyone got a thing they want to start on? Who's played, well ha- Have all of us played the game we talked about At the end of the last one? Oh, I've definitely played Hot Tentacles Shooter F-
2: No, no, because I I have self-respected dignity On sub levels oh. still Oh, I have none of that
0: yeah, I've oh, yeah. played Hot Tentacles Shooter, Conrad. You've known me for um,
2: over twelve <laughs> years, and you've never seen me conduct myself with dignity. No, no, uh, no. Okay, well, I, that, I'm just glad it's the the tentacle Shooter and not Orc Massage. I'm glad everybody didn't play Orc Massage. I'm looking in one particular direction. Oh yeah,
1: totally. None of us. I mean. I mean, I mean, look, the only reason I didn't play Ork Massage is because it wouldn't boot on the Steam Deck, and I do have it now downloaded on
0: the PC, and oh, I might God. still
1: play it for next week.
0: But uh... So Laura and I have played Hot Tentacles Shooter, which we mentioned last week.
1: A game that can't go on Nintendo Switch because Nintendo Switch doesn't...
0: Yeah. Nintendo don't like titties. Uh, it is listed on the PlayStation Store, although I imagine very much like that one ship Porn game I played, uh, the console version will be censored and so you won't get to see Raw
1: Nip. I mean, the Steam version has multiple levels of undress on the starting menu, and I assume they just took away the full nudity one and gave you like scantily clad outfit and slightly less
0: scantily clad outfit. It's probably I mean, you know, I've seen these games in operation on PC and console before. It's no big whoop to slap a bra on them. Yeah. But there' no such thing is present. Oh yeah, no. In Hot Tentacle <laughs> Shooter on Steam. Tits galore. So this is a
1: top-down space shooter. Yeah. You're, you're a little ship, you're shooting up
0: at aliens that are coming in, you get power-ups and whatnot. It's, ve- I mean, it's as bare-bones a top-down shooter as you can get, it's basically Gallagher, but with less elegant enemy patterns and whatnot i mean you're not wrong i didn't hate my time playing with it i didn't
1: actively have anything negative to say about
0: my time playing it it's a completely sufficiently bog standard shooter with c- pretty nice art well that's the thing this is where it stands out i mean when we're, when we're talking about like the The big 2D portraits specifically. (laughs) Yeah, uh, this is where it stands out from um, a lot of these porn games where it's like some hentai that they've ripped from somewhere and usually not even very good hentai Um, and it just none of it looks original and all of these so many of them are like hentai uh, sliding puzzle games Um, that's usually the um, most common porn game. You've either got those, or you've got the ones that use really basic 3D models, uh, either for a visual novel or some sort of um, very basic simulator. And they look typically ugly as sin. Whereas this, the art at least looks original and it's it's presented in a pixel style but very uh detailed sort of like a quote unquote cut scene you'd get on a uh, like a retro console sort of from the from the 16-bit era but they look uh, uh, more detailed than that
1: the ships and the enemies are all clear to understand what they are and they all look very original they're eh, so so but like the planet map is really really well done and all of the art of women covered in tentacles is is well done art
0: yeah yeah so basically um each level is you shoot and shoot and shoot uh, and every time you take an enemy down you deal damage to a picture of some tentacles on the right hand side of the screen that's covering up the bits and whatnot of um one of one of many girls and your reward is you destroy the tentacles and then you get to see tits asses and um uh, mossy clefts Occ- occasionally someone will just like part cheeks and go hey look at my butthole yeah yeah I mean I say mossy I don- I don't think there's a pube in sight in this game <laughs> oh
1: no no there is there is in the after the first boss somewhere after the first boss there there was a pubic mound hey there was pubes hey look at that yeah and like I'm gonna say this, I think there was actually somewhat some degree of body type diversity. Now I'm not gonna say there was diversity generally. Yeah. There is like at least as far as I've seen, it's white as far as the eye can see, but there is
0: at least some like differences of body presentations. Oh yeah. There's different uh sizes, you know, some characters have, like tummy fat and stuff, and yeah. there's, you know, any manner uh, of tit size that you could be into you're catered for yeah s- from like massive to questionable so that's all there in in terms of games that one could want to wank to this one has slightly more going for it than the ones where they've clearly just found some hentai jpegs you could find anywhere they are well done yeah and like look here's the thing you take all the tits out of it
1: i mean it's a very by the numbers top-end oh, yeah. shooter. It's not a. It's not a terrible game. It's not terrible. Like I've played worse games that didn't
0: have tits in. Yeah, I've also played far, 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 far better, many better uh, shooters without tits in. Yes, and that's it. Like that's, like it, most of these games. Ultimately, the tits are the only edge it has and the only edging it would inspire um <laughs> but yeah it's it's without the tits it's it's a nothing game it might be relatively inoffensive as a shooter but like i would rather play any number of dozens of of shooters over this uh it's like sub galaga level sort of shooting
1: what was the side scrolling one i was talking about the other week on switch hazelnut hex hazelnut hex yeah if you're not there for the titties go go play hazelnut hex that's a that's a really fun game but like if you want some titties like you could do worse yeah than this
0: (laughs) yeah that's about it that's about what one could say about it um but we did check it out after we said last
2: week i do like how the conversation turned from you know, like, why would anyone do this for tits to... Well, if you want tits, they're here and they're not bad. I kind of like the the short sort of shift in the tone towards Tentacled Shooter.
0: One thing is, if you feel the need to earn tits through gameplay... Yeah. Which I don't fully get.
2: And that could be someone's kink, you know?
0: If
1: simply googling the word tits... Doesn't work for you because you need to feel like you earned
0: them. Yeah, it's too easy. You could do worse than earning them this way. Yeah, out of all of the games I've seen that want to be wanked over, <laughs> this is probably the best example. Doesn't mean it's a good game, but it's the best example of a game that's like, we got tits, that's our selling point. <laughs> the tits are original, well done. And yeah, uh, tit out of 10. Well. Wow. Uh, I, I got games I want to talk about this week. Oh, please, please,
1: please. That's all right. I've been I've been playing some stuff that's been really good. I've really
0: enjoyed some games this week. Funnily enough, I really enjoyed a game on a mobile. Yes, I have not checked it out yet, but you really sold me on checking this one.
1: Yeah. So the the game is called Boss Game. The final boss is my heart. Uh, it is a mobile game. No mo- uh, no microtransactions. It is it is just a, you buy the game and you have it. It is a really, really well-made boss rush game about dodging, uh, blocking when incoming attacks are happening, and firing attacks at these sort of creatively designed enemies with bullet hell patterns. The gimmick though is that you are playing as two girlfriends going on uh, quests hunting demons, and you control one of them on each side of the screen. It feels reminiscent of something like The World Ends With You, but like a lot simpler to get your head around. On each side of the screen, you have a picture of one of the two girlfriends' faces. You can you can hold, hold your thumb on, on their face to shield them from an incoming attack. You've got heavy attack that takes a long time to charge up, and you've got a light attack that doesn't take so long to charge up. Mm-hmm. And you can be independently blocking and attacking per character, on either side, and the bullet hell patterns that are going to be coming at you will come at you in often asynchronous ways, so you need to be, for example, charging up an attack with one while blocking with another, stuff like that. The game is really nicely built around that mobile control scheme. On each side of the screen it's just three very big, very hard to not hit buttons that give really good visual feedback and vibrate to tell you you hit them correctly. I've never had a problem with miss inputs on it, which has been really nice. I like the way that the combat system is set up, each of your characters has like an energy meter that is used simultaneously for blocking incoming hits and for doing attacks, so you're not just trying to find openings between attacks where you have enough time to say do a big charged up heavy attack, because that uses up a bunch of your meter and you're not going to have meter left to shield with. You need to go, do I have time not only to get this attack through, but to get a bit of my meter back and shield before the next attack comes in. There's also some really nice mechanics that interact with going back and forth between these two characters. If one of the characters faints, uh, or is knocked out, you can revive them, uh, as long as you've got a character still up and alive, but while they're reviving, they can't be blocking or attacking themselves, so obviously you've got to balance revive, revive, revive a little bit, little bit, get them back on their feet. The art style's really nice. Um, it feels very reminiscent of like something like Deltarune, um, or like Undertale, or sort of very Toby Fox-esque art. It's got a lot of really good original chiptune music that's like very varied as you progress. I've been really impressed at like the variety of different ideas the game has had for boss fight gimmicks making them feel suitably distinct despite the fact that like you are using the same core mechanics at least on your end for every fight i also really like that each of the boss fights is very tough but only about three to four minutes at most in length Mm -hmm. and it's very quick to jump back in so if you lose a run you can jump right back in and a successful run is never going to take you more than I'd say like three and a half minutes which feels like the right kind of length for a game like this to be able to do the thing that like you know your your Dark Souls-y type games do where they're gonna throw a lot of stuff at you and you're gonna have to practice learning your you know recognizing the uh the wind-ups that are coming but also it's not such a long fight and you're so quick back into it that you can just sort of keep hammering at learning those patterns. It's got very cute writing, it's got canon, playable trans character. I have had a delightful time with this game, and I'm not finished with it yet. I thought it was going to be very short, I you know, I was like three, four hours in, and I reached a point that I was like, okay, maybe this is the end, you know, this feels like, you know, a little short, but it was, it was a pretty nice game. And then a title screen comes up and it's like oh yeah this is the there's a beginning i was like oh okay cool give me more but yeah boss game it's really neat i really like the plot i have yet to feel like the boss encounters have become in any way repetitive you can go back and just replay the fights outside of the story once you've progressed through them which is really appreciated yeah, for anyone that's just like looking for a a game on mobile that is just a just just a good game. This is a really good game that I've been really enjoying. It's it's really good.
0: Yeah, I um I'm going to have to look at it. I'm going to have to. I'm 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 always in the market for a good mobile game.
1: Yeah. And like I really appreciate a game on mobile where it is Designed for mobile well enough that I can forget about the fact I'm playing on mobile. Where I'm, I'm not thinking about that fact while I play. And this game has really done that well. Yeah. Also, it's good, it's, it's good, it's, it's good and anti-capitalist as well, so huzzah! Oh, that's always good. Go go, go steal all the wealth from, from the wealthy who refuse to pay people for work and services done properly. Yeah, who else has uh, played something this week?
2: Well, I, uh, I played
0: Faith. This is a game I played years ago. I stopped because I got stuck and lost and wandered around forever. Um, But I am curious how that, like, the full release is.
2: Yeah, well, this this has been coming out since 2017, I think, is when the first chapter came out and then another in 2019. And then all three have been packaged by New Blood. And Faith is an 8-bit horror game. And when I say an 8-bit horror game, I mean, like, Atari. 8-bit horror game at least that's the that's the clear influence in both mechanics game in mechanics gameplay and visuals Mm. um certainly it is achieving visual feats that that hardware never could have dreamed of it's a story in three parts you are a rogue exorcist who is trying to resolve an exorcism that didn't go right years prior. And that is the only thing I can say with certainty is happening in this game. But it's very, very basic and in play. You move in eight directions, and you can hold up your cross in four directions. And that's significant and, and important to note. We'll get back to that in a second. And you explore areas Consecrating objects in the environment that stand out to get little snippets of story and clues as to where you should be going next. And then you encounter demons, and the demons are likewise repelled by you holding up your crucifix. There's a lot of really, really great things about this game. I think it, the writing of it is pretty good. I don't have a clear idea of what's going on yet, and I hope I get some resolution when I hit Chapter 3, which I've only played the first two chapters so far. But there's a lot of vague uncertainty surrounding who you are in the events that you're engaging in and have engaged in in the past that I find very enjoyable. As a game that's trying to feel like an Atari game, mm-hmm success
0: that's always the problem isn't it um when you're like too successful at copying something old right to the uh exclusion of many quality of life changes yes. and, and improvements made to gameplay since
2: yes and i i don't know that this game really needs much more like the the biggest problems that it has Are to some extent, it's easy to miss some of the clues as to what you should be doing or how you should solve puzzles. But I don't think that's insurmountable. I I think it it communicates well enough. I figured them out eventually. There was a bit of walking around that was frustrating, and had I not been streaming, might have not proceeded, might have stopped playing and gone and done something else. Because, yeah, there's a lot of sort of looping map stuff when you're wandering around trying to figure out where you should go that can feel a bit confusing. It It's not too hard to get a handle on, and I think eventually it just sort of gives up and puts you somewhere that you can identify and work from again, which is nice. The combat is really where this both works greatest in its favor and works worst against it. I said that you can move in eight directions and hold up your cross in four. And the reason that's really significant is that it's very easy to be moving up and right and have the cross be up. But you think it's right. Or, you know, whatever direction you think the cross is being held in, it's the other one on, you know, the balance between the two compass. Main directions, and that sucks sometimes, um also because the movement is so stodgy and slow because it is recreating the this type of game, uh avoiding the enemy attacks which uh are very, very fast, and you are not is frustrating at times again, not something that can't be overcome, but you really like. The, there's there's no fucking around. The second an enemy is about to start its attack, you need to be on the move. You can't be hanging out. But I really like it. And I am I'm interested to play through the third chapter. I can absolutely understand somebody bouncing off of the antiquated, deliberately antiquated design uh, with utter disregard for quality of life. But I... I I don't even know if that's fair, If that it's been disregarded so much as assessed and decided, you know what, this works fine without. Not for everybody. Definitely. Creepy. Uh, I was actually pleasantly surprised by the checkpointing. Particularly in, like, the combat-heavy sections, it checkpoints very, very well in between boss phases, so you don't have to go through and do the whole thing over again, which is really nice. Uh, downside is it seems to checkpoint after every inc- or a- right before every incredibly creepy animation in it. So if there is something that like deeply disturbs you, or say your viewing audience on Twitch, and you can't clear that section, they're gonna see it a lot. A lot. Yay. But it's good. It's really good. I like the stripped down um and spookified reinterpretations of classical music that's been used in it. It's it's good. It's very good. I I think the package on the whole is pretty neat. Uh, the whole game is is in a 5 by or no, is it 5 by 4 aspect ratio? No, it's 4 by 3. Uh so but they border it. And so finishing a run unlocks different backgrounds and other effects stuff. So there's a bunch of stuff in the package and there's multiple endings for each of the chapters. Um, It's already confusing enough for me in terms of what would be canon. So uh, God only knows, but um, I'm really enjoying it. I will probably finish this because it's quite good. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody else play something? Uh...
0: Gotham Knights is so shit.
2: Mm, I've heard that. Yeah, it it's is so shit. Yeah, it like
0: is. it's unbearable. It's it's like not I'm good. trying to write my review right now, and it's difficult insofar as there's no way I can adequately describe how offensively boring this game is, how unforgivably repetitious it is. It is like the distilled pure form. Of Open world busy work Like you know how like in many open world games One of the easiest things to do Is fill the map With bandit camps You go in and you clear out all the enemies And then that's it you've liberated A camp Uh, That's in the Far Cry games In the, the Horizon games Right imagine if the map Only had three bandit Camps that repopulated Themselves So that you did the exact same thing over and over again. That is just one example of how creatively lazy Gotham Knights is. It is unbelievable. What a hack job this game is. It is... I mean, it's a mess, first and foremost. Combat is a fucking mess. Like, imagine the Arkham Knight system, uh, well, Arkham Knight, the Arkham game system, or the exact same system found in the uh, Shadow of Mordor Shadow of War games, except there's no counter attack button. So you are being swarmed by lots of enemies that will hit you with um, a litany, a constant barrage of admittedly clearly telegraphed attacks except you can't press a button turn around and and effectively disarm that attack. You only have a dodge button and you can dodge with good timing and launch a quote- unquote perfect attack. but unlike the Arkham games, there's no real uh, window of invincibility there. there's no um, there's no guarantee that if you dodge with or without launching a perfect attack, you are not perfectly lined up for a cheap shot from somewhere else, usually from off camera. Mm-hmm. Um, on top of that, they didn't keep in the counter attack, but they did keep in those games' tendency to have the protagonist attack the groups of enemies seemingly at random, where you almost have to leave it to the game. You will hit the attack button and they're going to attack whoever whether it's an opponent right next to them or one halfway across the battlefield. They will leap about and do do their own fucking thing. In the previous games, that was fine because the counterattack prompt meant you didn't really get in trouble if you weren't hitting what you needed to hit. Where this game completely fucks up is that dodging is nowhere near as effective as the counterattack. So if you are trying to hit someone and you leap into trouble, you leap into where you don't want to go, you've got no effective defense. On top of that, this game fills mobs with enemies that really need prioritizing, whether they're ones with guns or ones that can heal other, other enemies and even revive them. Like, you want to take them out first, but good luck trying to keep a fucking bead on them. Then there's like just moronic shit. Like, almost every fight will have multiple enemies throwing molotovs to create area of effect, and your character will have no problem trying to attack an enemy that stood on the other fucking side of a wall of fire, and they will just leap into the fire and stagger and take damage, and then do it again, and and it's it's unbelievable. On top of that, you know, it's glitchy as fuck. I, the game's crashed three times on the Xbox and I've had, like, characters get stuck in scenery and all of that shit. Like, it's shoddy open-world garbage. But aside from, like, stealth that is, again, like the Arkham games, but worse, with less opportunities to perch, less uh, fewer predatory options for taking them out, stuff like that. Uh, so it's a stripped-down, bare-bones stealth and a shit version of the Arkham combat. But that's all this game really has going for it. Almost every mission, whether it's a side quest, whether it's a an activity, whether it's a full main mission, you go somewhere, there's a group of enemies, you fight them, boringly and annoyingly, and that's it. There are like dozens and dozens of, of side activities, but the only real difference is aesthetic and maybe one or two Extra things to stand in front of and hold a button to interact with. Otherwise, it's just a group of enemies that you have to fight. And they're all damage sponges because somewhere along the way, this game either was or is going to be a live service. So it's got damage sponge enemies, uh, like you'd find in Anthem or Destiny, along with uh, an armor system uh, that's just like Destiny's, where it doesn't really matter what armor and weapons you have. The only thing that matters is the power ranking, and you're just making one stat go up. Bare bones crafting, because, of course, because that's what live service games have. Um, so anyway, this all amounts to a game that's just utterly fucked. With every mission being the same, it's, it's just constantly engaging with a vastly worse version of the Arkham combat over and over again with missions that just keep repeating themselves over and over again the same handful of enemy bases the same handful of side quests and regularly you fight boss uh, get engaged in boss fights that are some of the most unbelievably tedious i have ever encountered ever um the first boss i found was A boss that was basically a version of the enemy mooks I've been fighting for hours. Because, of course, um, one of the big beefy enemies with a big old shield, only this one had a massively long health bar. That boss fight has three stages. First, you fight the big shield mook. Then you fight a version of that mook with a flail instead of a shield, but otherwise is the same. Then, the third stage, you fight both of them at once and that's the fight sequentially i must have been doing it for 20 minutes and all the while every boss fight i've fought so far uh will eventually throw in a bunch of minions as well because this game has not one original idea in its tiny little mind so of course you know if you can't make the game difficult then just swarm them uh with damage sponge enemies that will attack you constantly with cheap shots from off-camera. The second boss I fought was Clayface, uh, which was basically another big enemy mook with slightly different looking attacks. And I fought him. He turned into three versions of himself. And they could heal themselves and were still the same damage sponges. Uh so I fought and fought and fought and fought them. Then it got to stage three, which was them again. And then I got to stage, well, I got to stage two, which was them again, but with mooks. Then stage three, which was them again with mooks. And again, it went on for fucking ever. Uh, I've since fought Mr. Freeze in a Big Mac and Harley Quinn, who are slightly different in the fact that one is a Big Mac and one leaps about a bit with a hammer, but is still the same thing. A few easily telegraphed attacks that. Take forever to uh whittle down because it's like chopping a tree with a fish uh, and eventually throw some mooks at you for the only real sense of challenge and the only way the game is at- is really challenging is attrition uh, eventually uh, enough cheap shots will deplete your health packs and that is the only way you die not because anything was actually difficult but because things drag on long enough as to deplete your resources on top of that like i say just just pure live action trappings from the repetitive busy work tasks to the way enemies behave to the way you equip items and craft them everything about it screams that some point in this game's constantly delayed, troubled development, it was going to be a live service, and it feels like it because it feels exactly like a game that would have come out in 2018 or 2019, around that time of, of Anthem and games like that. And nothing I have said, nothing I have said is adequate enough to describe what it's actually like, because I can't, I can't vocalise how offensively repetitive it is it's easy to just criticize a game by saying it's repetitive but this is repetition that is genuinely offensive after i took a third stronghold mission and found that it was yet again in the exact same building with the exact same enemies i was insulted and that is the game constantly consistently drowning you in challenges that's just an ever-growing massive laundry list of of busy work that just sort of completes itself as you play the game you know kill however number of this enemy clear however many of these repetitive side quests it's just a game that exists for the sake of existing It, it doesn't offer anything New, fresh, interesting. It has taken every criticism you could have about a mainstream open world game and leaned so far into it as to make me sick. That's it. Yep. It is sickening
1: i played a good game this week Ooh. I played another one that was good oh i like good
0: yeah go on i played one that was good uh i played a game called potionomics Ooh. either of you are aware of this I, one? I have seen it on stores and sort of glossed over it
2: yeah i've heard the name
0: yeah
1: so here is the deal this is a game of two halves really um it is a game about running a little potion shop where you gotta get ingredients brew your potions manage all your various ways of getting resources, etc. The other half is a deck building game about haggling with customers to make them pay above the odds for your goods. So the way that it it plays out, at least for like the first, say, I'm gonna say five hours, is that you, you've inherited a potion shot from your uncle and also inherited his massive, massive debt, and... The only way you're gonna be able to pay it off is that every ten days in this city there are there are, there is a series of potion competitions happening. And if you can win those potion competitions, you're gonna be able to, you know, pay off your, your debt payments and eventually own the shop.
2: That's a very aggressive, like competition schedule
1: oh yeah yeah 10 days yeah so like the the, the the gimmick of this like community is that like it's it's the hub that all of the heroes go off on their big world saving quests from right and there is like real dramatic competition to push for like the best of the best uh retail options for those heroes in this this community and i guess that's why you've ended up with a like basically once every week and a half, fuck it, new competition, who's, who's best at potions? That structure exists purely to give you a time limit, you have a certain number of things you can do every day, and you are basically trying to get resources to make potions with, which can be done either by buying them with money you've made from selling potions, or sending heroes out on quests to go get rare ingredients for you and if you send them with some potions on their quest they might get further in and get rarer items like there's a a whole bunch of different like npcs you can be interacting with for different ways to get materials to try and start brewing up these potions but that is all sort of in service of deck building mechanics to try and hype up your potions and make them seem as valuable as they uh, as they can be The way that the deck building stuff works is every customer who comes into your store has a limited amount of patience that is a measurable resource that is how many actions you can do before they will just walk out fed up different cards you can put in your deck and like the max deck size is i think like 20 cards it's pretty small and concise every card will use up a certain amount of your customers patience and there are all sorts of synergies that you can use to do things like recover some of that patient's back or follow up with a, a witty comeback to something they've said and maybe that's going to get you some extra favor and it's all sort of flavored around having to work retail and deal with the public and deal with all of their stressful nonsense but as card game mechanics i really like this game visually it's it's really unique I have. I don't know how better to describe this than, I don't know if I've ever seen a game with, with such lavishly overproduced character movements and expressions. Uh, it is 3D models that are like very, very hyper expressive in a way that I think works really well, but definitely stands out. There's a lot of really nice mechanics in here that all blend together to make a pretty cohesive feeling overall package. I like that there are, uh, you know, there's there's mechanics around things like going and spending social time with characters around the town, which isn't helping you make potions, but it is maybe uh, a way to unlock new cards as you rank up your friendship. There is improving your store so that you can have more shelf space or fancier um you know flooring and wallpaper, so that people think it's a fancier place and they'll pay more. There's all these little interlinking mechanics that then build up to eventually while you've been doing all that the These are the potions you're going to need for your potion competition, make the best strength ones of those you can, then make the judge value it really highly by doing card game mechanics at them and try and try and have a higher score at the end of it than your opponent. I have like one issue with this game, and it is an issue that I think the game has a workaround for, and I'm thankful that it's there. I'll I'll give this caveat, but then sort of explain the thing the game does that sort of helps to mitigate this a little bit. The game does not do a great job of giving you a sense when you get to the end of your first ten days and go do your first competition of how strong your potions need to be, like what what their value, you know, their listed value needs to be, for you to be ready for the competition. It doesn't do a great job of telling you this potion you've made is probably a good one that will be okay to enter the competition with. And you can reach a point where you get to that competition on day 10 and go, I've tried this a few times and I keep just not being able to progress past it because I just haven't haven't prepped right, and I only don't criticise this game more because of the fact that every in-game day an autosave is created, and the older day's autosaves aren't erased. Which means that at any point if you go, okay, I've backed myself into a corner, I really don't have the build I need for this competition. You can go and look at a list of every day you've done and go, okay, I'm going to go back to my, my start of day nine autosave and just replay the last day and just like slightly tweak what I did. And I appreciate that as a fallback option for if you haven't been regularly saving and you hit a brick wall. Doesn't change the fact that that brick wall is there. Like, the game needs to do a better job of giving you a sense of what is the skill level required for that competition that's coming up but at least if you realize you've hit that wall and didn't prep right, the tools are really easily there to jump back and replay a little bit to to do it. And I'm not, you know, I'm not excusing that. I'm having a great time with the game. That is the, the biggest complaint I have is simply like, better signposting of what the difficulty bar you need to clear is would probably help. But I really love everything else about this game, and that is not enough to turn me off of really enjoying it. I've I, I replayed a little bit of it to get over that that difficulty hurdle the first time, and I didn't begrudge replaying that little bit of it because I did something completely different the other the second time to prepare. Didn't feel like I was, you know, treading water doing doing stuff I'd already done. So yeah, if you like time management deck builders. Potionomics is really neat. I'm really, I'm, I'm really kind of hooked on it. Nice.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you played anything else, comrade? I've played one other thing, and it's I don't have a lot to say because I've only played a very little bit of it. Although it's difficult to say how much I've played of it because what I've I've played is a modern. This is a day of uh for me like. Very old styles of game being recreated lovingly, and it's like a tale of two differing examples. This is a, a like a classic arcade game. Uh, it's called uh, Donut Dodo. It's on Steam. This was some somebody gifted this to me, uh, knowing without a doubt that this would be something I would find interesting. You are a chef being chased. By a toilet through an environment where rats are also running around, trying to collect stray donuts, concluding with a giant one guarded by an enormous dodo.
1: That sure is what I'm looking at in screenshots here.
2: Uh, Yep, it is a simple platform game in the, you know, single screen platformer uh, where, you know, you can wrap around to the other side to avoid things. It's like a, I don't know, Space Panic or, uh, you know, Popeye, that kind of, of game. I, Space Panic is a weird example to pull, but, um, but people who know Space Panic will be thrilled. It looks like an arcade game of the, you know, mid-'80s era. Mechanically, it is very much, very, very much like them. It has one of those great um, risk-reward elements with the donuts that you would see in some of these arcade games where, like, the first one you get, fine. But the next one, as soon as you grab the first donut, I should say, one of them start elsewhere on the map becomes shiny. And if you go get those, it, uh, they're worth more points and add to a multiplier that make them successively worth more points. So that's always fun. Uh, But unlike classic arcade games of the era, the movement is not stodgy. You move quickly, the jump is responsive, you can jump onto ladders to climb up them. Like, all of these little things that we would take for granted in video games of the console era are being reflected back in this arcade-style game, and... It's really well made. It feels fun to play. It feels right of the era, but I know that if it had been made 30 years prior, it would have been awful to play by comparison. It's a lot of fun. Uh, I'm going to keep playing it because I've only done the first two levels so far in the few opportunities I've had to boot it up, but it's visually beautiful. It's got great music. It, it feels like the thing while being better than the thing objectively, and I know that. So, yeah, it's worth checking out if you're curious about old retro arcade games. Uh, it, it's fun, and pretty, and sounds good, and I like it. Yeah. That's it. That's all I gotta say.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, Steph, you played anything else this week?
0: I have. Uh, I played a game called Cultic. Um, which I'd heard a little about uh, It is another one Of those retro shooters In the same vein of something like Dusk or Gloomwood Something like that mm. This one is Not trying to be subtle in the least About its inspiration uh, That being Blood uh, The sort of mm. Quote unquote classic uh, First person shooter from the uh, I believe the 90s um, You even wake up you know, in a grave similar to, to blood, it lacks the uh, silly dialogue that was in that game, but makes up for it with some tighter controls and nice little healing system where enemies drop health pickups. But a little ways into the game, you pick up a field kit, which banks any um, healing items you pick up uh, beyond your max health. And you can use that to manually heal and sort of, so you can keep this little pool of healing resources. So that's neat. It plays really nicely. It's a very solid, uh, very enjoyable first-person shooter uh, with those sort of retro 3D graphics that I I certainly enjoy. Outside of the that it, of, of it being a very brown game, uh, everything's very muddy looking. I don't think a game about a sort of eldritch cult uh, in the same vein as blood is necessarily in need of resembling the yellow submarine. Uh, I'm not expecting a, a Technicolor showcase, but when you compare it with the sort of already stylistically splodgy textures, uh, everything looks a little too much like mud was smeared on the camera. Uh, but other than that, the enemy designs are really cool. the The variety of guns are nice. It's sort of set i forget when it's set but like it's not set in modern times you've got access to fairly older weapons like a lever action rifle and and some simple stuff like shotguns and, and a stern machine gun and stuff but it's really satisfying to to fight with them they they feel really good to shoot with popping off enemy heads is is really quite satisfying uh sometimes the game will slow down to to really showcase that As one might expect, there's tons of of blood and giblets flying everywhere. The map layout is mostly good. There were a couple of times I was wondering a little bit, wondering sort of where it wants me to go. But otherwise, it was, yeah, it's really good. I I, I was able to get through it in like a couple days of of moderate play. Like an old school shooter like this, it's doing the thing where this is part one and there's going to be presumably new installments. But yeah, I really like it I played it on the Steam Deck And it worked really well on the Steam Deck Anyone who liked games like Dusk This is definitely one to take a look at Because I think it, it, it really is quite good uh, That's about it, that's all I can say
2: about that one
1: Yeah uh, I think that's everything I've played Conrad, uh, have you played anything else?
2: No, that I mean, just Fallout 4 And who cares? <laughs> uh,
0: let me just see if um, what, what else did I put down? Well, I finished a Plague Tale Requiem. How, how are you feeling now it's done? Yeah, Um. well, I published a review of that. It's on thegymquisition.com. Largely what I said last time, like what I said about the directed stealth holds true. Um, the s- story and characterization is still really good. Uh, I will say it's a game of two halves. I didn't get to the second half last time, but the second half very much becomes a realization of what the devs clearly wanted the game to be the early game is kind of hellacious because you get these big open stealth areas with multiple paths but not many tools at your disposal and enemies that really complement each other you've on the ground you've got like enemies that mostly have helmets on so you can't just take them out with the sling with archers overlooking everything to spot you so you really feel under pressure to the point where it's a little bit, well, what the fuck do you want me to do? And that's made worse by enemies becoming more aware of your presence and then wandering off any form of predictable pattern. They will just wander about and it will, like, seemingly at random. But as the game goes on and and as you head more and more towards the end game, you unlock more abilities, uh, get access to a crossbow, uh, can start crafting... Bombs, basically, with some um, levelling up and, and upgrades. Uh, and then once you have enough resources to deal with conceivably any enemy that you could find, but your resources are still limited just enough to where any engagement is still a risk, that's when the game is good. It takes half a game to do it, but that's when it really get, like picks up. And that's when I started having a lot more fun. So
2: Mm.
0: it's worth slogging through. If it was just based on gameplay, it wouldn't be worth it. But the gameplay coupled with the fact that the characters are still just, like, fantastic, um, the character development is still fucking great, that's where I'd say for fans of uh, Plague Tale, it's worth fighting through. But, you know, I will happily play Innocence, any day of the week from beginning to end, whereas this game, there are moments I never want to play again. I never want to go through them again, at least as far as playing it from scratch goes. It does not surprise me this, this particular game has New Game Plus, which the first one didn't have, because I think it's on some level they must know that the second half plays so much more like the game they're trying to make that they had to offer uh, a way to play the first half the same way too. I would never consider playing the game again without the New Game Plus option. So yeah, it's a good game. It is not a patch on the original, but it is overall a a solid time when you look at the entire sum of the parts. And other than that, 100% it everything on Vampire Survivors. You know, got all the characters, all the items, weapons, art, like all of that shit. It's, it's still. And I say this, you know, regardless of, of whether or not I, I'm involved with it, it's the best game of the year. It's
2: a, it's a good game. Well, I'll tell you, oh, I'll tell you yeah. I can explain. I can contextualize how good Vampire Survivors is. One of my best friends wrote lore for Vampire Survivors. (laughs) And when Vampire Survivors released in 1.0, and my friend's lore, which I have almost entirely unlocked by virtue of simply having been playing the game for months and could immediately access, did I go and read my friend's lore? (laughs) No, I did not. I played Vampire Survivors. (laughs) for, like, three hours before it occurred to me, oh, right, my friend's writing is here. I should go <laughs> read that. It's, it's a
0: good fucking game, is the point. Yeah, it. I mean, and that's understandable, because, you know, it is a game where the, the any of the writing is ancillary by design. I was aware of that going in. It's why even though I've got even more story ideas than you see, they're not in there. But as far as the game goes, like, This thing, there's a reason it's got over 122,000 Steam reviews at a 98% positivity rate, which is phenomenal. Yeah. In the true meaning of the word phenomenal, in that it is a phenomena. I see games from big so-called AAA publishers that get reviews in the hundreds. Yeah. 122,000. And at least the last time I saw it was 98%. Yeah, I see people saying this game is not for them. I have seen maybe one, maybe two people in total all year say they actively dislike the game. That is ridiculous, but deserved. Yeah. This is my game of the year. This, This was true before my involvement and this is the same year Elden Ring came out which i loved and at the time playing Elden Ring at the time thought it would be a shoe in for my favorite game of the year.
1: Yeah.
0: Vampire Survivors is phenomenal and the fact they added so much over the course of its early access period and then just a huge extra wad of content for 1.0 it is brilliant and deserving of every praise it gets. Indeed. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that was it. Yeah, yeah.
1: Should we do a little bit, of, a little bit of news before we finish up? Oh,
0: I dare say we can do that.
1: Yeah. Oh well, let's let's start as we always seem to do these days with Activision, Blizzard, Ugh. King, Microsoft corner because there's always more to this whole shebang. We'll start with this one. Um, the Communication Workers of America union. Has filed a uh, new unfair labor practice charges against Activision Blizzard on behalf of the ABK Workers Alliance. Yeah, so we've we've got more more bullshit going on. The short version, this is all to do with um Do you re- do you remember when we were talking about the Vicarious Visions QA staff the other week who recently got the the right to vote to unionize? Mm-hmm. So apparently there's been some anti-union bullshit continuing to happen at Activision Blizzard, because of course there has been. In a read-only channel in the Activision Blizzard King internal company Slack chat, a uh, big old statement was uh, was posted by Activision Blizzard's chief communications officer.
2: Oh, oh, the sort of person who should know better than to say things like this on company-wide Slack channels, gotcha.
1: Yeah, in in a Slack channel where people aren't allowed to respond to it. The chief person who should know better, cool. Yes, yes. The The short version, big, big anti-union post, you know, there was a little bit of trying to dress it up in the sort of oh, well, we think that it's best to have a direct, uh, you know, discussion with our workers, not through a union wrap. And it's like, well, you're not having a fucking direct conversation with them now. That's why they think <laughs> the union is to get you to have the direct conversation. Yeah, so a lot of workers in the company Slack got annoyed, understandably, got frustrated at being unable to... But particularly a lot of the frustration seems to have come from the fact that like, a big part of this anti-union post was talking about the importance of talking directly to company executives on a post where they were not allowed to respond directly to the company executive. So this post got shared publicly, because of course it did. Basically, like, hey, this is this is anti-union stuff, you should not be doing this in the run-up to a union election, that they have been granted the right to unionize, you should not be... Not only to disparage, like to to discourage people from unions, but apparently like in there, there were veiled threats to withhold raises and benefit improvements from workers who joined the union and suggestions that their union status or support would be under surveillance. Bullshit like that, like trying to scare people out um, away from voting just before a vote. So, yeah, that's that's not great as an update.
2: I mean, I, I don't know how effective it's going to be under these circumstances. I hope that the response is people look at it and go,
1: that's bullshit, I'm definitely going to vote to be in a union.
2: Yeah, I do. I mean, it, it is one of those um, Streisand effect things, isn't it? A little bit? I, f- I feel like it, yeah. Like, if you draw more attention to how shitty your behavior is as management... Uh, it doesn't that you'd hope that would cause a few people to think about the alternatives.
1: It has given a few people an additional excuse to think, hmm, maybe, maybe I, maybe I unionize. Uh, we have some other news that is tangentially related, but it's more to do with the Microsoft acquisition of AdVision Blizzard. So you know we've been hearing a lot of back and forth about Sony complaining uh, about wanting to keep Call of Duty for an X number of years post. Uh, Microsoft acquisition and this being a whole big back and forth we might have some insight into why Microsoft doesn't want to extend that Sony deal any longer than they have to according to claims from uh from from Microsoft Sony's current Call of Duty marketing deal restricts Activision's Call of Duty series from appeal- uh, appearing on Xbox Game Pass Huh. Yeah. So this came as part of um, Xbox's response to the the UK's Competition and Markets Authority. And yeah, the 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 argument being made is, hey, when we say we're letting my, uh, Sony still have you know Call of Duty for X number of years, it's not out of the goodness of our hearts. Yeah. Yeah. No, you you can't say that we're buying. Call of Duty to monopolize it and have it on our subscription service
2: because there's already a legal agreement in place that would restrict that from being possible we we legally
1: can't <laughs> put it on Game Pass until whatever the Sony arrangement we make is done yes so yes, the, the, the specific line in there is that apparently their agreement with Sony includes restrictions on the ability of Activision Blizzard to place Call of Duty games on Game Pass for a number of years um presumably we don't know for certain but the assumption is for at least the three years that that deal still runs for just full stop it won't be on game pass it it seems like which yeah i can see why microsoft is trying to to push to to minimize that because putting it on game pass
2: really feels like the end game of why they want it yeah but that is that is end game for one. Yeah. I mean, and and while Call of Duty does sort of dominate in terms of sales, it is only one aspect of the Activision Blizzard business. There is a lot of other merit to having it, that the short-term not being able to put it on Game Pass yeah. probably isn't necessarily that significant. And as demonstrated here... It could play well for the antitrust argument that they're trying to make.
1: Yes, and that is is 100% how they're trying to spin it, is they're trying to go, hey, UK regulators, one of your arguments for why we shouldn't be able to buy Activision Blizzard is that by having Call of Duty on Game Pass, we will monopolize the game subscription market, but we legally can't have it on Game Pass, so, maybe forget about that point. You know,
2: for a few years.
1: Yeah. Yeah, don't think about a few years from now. Right now, we legally can't do it, so
2: let let us. Well, and considering, you know, I mean, it's not entirely possible that Microsoft could manage to tank Call of Duty within three years, and it's no longer an issue.
1: I mean, <laughs> I mean, that is always a possibility, We have a couple of other... We still have a couple of Microsoft Activision Blizzard bits. There's so much of it this week. Microsoft is reportedly hoping to build an Xbox mobile gaming store that would be
2: a direct competitor to
1: Apple and Google's app stores.
2: Well, they've got to do something about mobile. They've never managed to effectively penetrate what is the largest computing market globally.
1: Yes, and... I mean, as soon as I read this story, I was like, oh, yeah, no, I totally understand what's going on here. Um, as has been pointed out by The Verge, Activision has really, really profitable mobile games. They do. And so do King, the element of Activision Blizzard King that we don't talk about very often. And it's because
2: I think a lot of us, I mean, I, don't, I know us, me in particular, I have zero interest in the mobile gaming market. Like, if it's possible to have negative interest in it, I'm there. But um, so it, it's easy to forget that a huge, like, a third of... We always, we always talk about it as Activision Blizzard. We leave off the king. But the king yeah. is not just bringing in, like, a third of revenues, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. So very specifically, like, they talk about... They, they hope to, lead, uh, to sh- get people to shift away from the Google Play Store and the Apple App Store by offering well-known and popular content. It, it really seems like, hey, we're probably going to put like a bunch of Activision Blizzard King stuff exclusively on our own App Store and try and use that to launch a presence in mobile, finally. So that is something down the line. And the last Activision Blizzard King Microsoft story we have this week, Overwatch 2 needs to step up its moderation after, uh... Are either of you aware of Sexual Harassment Simulator in Overwatch 2?
2: Oh, boy. Uh, um... I... Okay, so I... Pardon? Full disclosure, I'm gonna peel back the veil a little bit. I had to urinate really bad. Uh, during the end of that (laughs) last story. And I came back just in time to sit down and hear that. So have any of you... And and my brain is... Because it's already ejected it. Say that sentence again, Laura.
1: Okay, okay. I'll say that sentence again. Are either of you aware of the Overwatch 2 mode sexual harassment simulator? I am now. Yeah. I wish I wasn't. Yep. So here's the thing. Overwatch 2 allows you to create custom game modes, and there is seemingly little to no uh, moderation, and very little to prevent things like Sexual Harassment Simulator existing. I'm not going to go into specifics on Sexual Harassment Simulator other than to say it's fucking gross and horrible and should not be a thing in Overwatch 2, and the reason we know about this is because some some parent's 12-year-old kid happened to stumble upon it and trigger an entire uh, think-of-the-children saga. Which, I mean, I get it. Overwatch 2 has sexual harassment simulator in it. A Blizzard spokesperson said, inappropriate or explicit content has no place in our game. We immediately removed the user-generated game mode. We're working on automated stuff, blah, blah, blah. However, PC Gamer reports that uh, at the time of their piece's publication earlier today, you can still access Sexual Harassment Simulator via its 5-digit uh, code. You can't find it like just by stumbling on it, but it's still hosted. You can still just type in a code and go, play it. Oh god, I Like Activision Blizzard hasn't Ooh. like actually oh. removed it. I just read the... Oh. Oh, did you read about the contents of it? I
2: read about it. Yeah, you see why I didn't I see why you... Yeah. Right. Uh, I would not encourage anybody else to read this. This is brain cancer that I've given myself.
1: There is a reason why I didn't bring it up, and I recommend you all not do that. It's bad.
2: Yeah, if, if... Just if in the event that... Laura's careful avoidance of describing this game mode caused you to have curiosity about it I am here to confirm that is a mistake Let's go on
1: Yeah, yeah Um, so that's, that's the oval, but that's the fucking Activision Blizzard Vision Blizzard King news this week we, we got through it, we survived Why are people, why are people Why, why are people We did get one more update this week on the story that can't quite die. We got confirmation from Helena Taylor that uh, she did get offered $15,000 for the uh, role of Bayonetta, which is still criminally low for that with no residuals, but it does confirm, seemingly, um, Jason Trier and others reporting that Helena Taylor may have been deliberately or not thanks for nothing helena yeah admitting of specific details and basically has
2: yeah 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 cool you could have you could have almost done something to help somebody you know I, I maybe balance out a little of your turf shit, but oh well. Oh no, she's she's sunk even deeper in on the turf shit this week. Oh, I'm stunned. I'm stunned. Wait a minute, you mean yeah. to tell me that somebody uh, f- with <laughs> right-wing regressive views doubled down on them upon facing criticism for something unrelated?
1: Yeah, yeah, no. Pe- people have been tweeting at Helena Taylor basically going like, hey, would Bayonetta say trans rights? To which Helena Taylor's response boiled down to, well i respect women and i respect (laughs) people who are black or white hindu or muslim i respect lots of people not saying trans people in there
2: at all just sidestepping the fucking thing it's like yeah i don't respect that answer i I don't (laughs) respect that as a response
1: yeah so hey voice actors are criminally underpaid in the video game industry but helena taylor fuck you for Mm -hmm. like the way
0: you have fucked this all up. It's that meme of the worst person you know just made a good
2: point. yeah Which is what you said last week, and it maintains its validity today.
0: Well, even worse than that now, it's also made that point in the worst, most deceitful way possible. Uh, I am so glad that after like doing a second inquisition on this with the new information, I never have to hopefully talk about her again. I don't want any more discussion on voice actors to be overshadowed by this fucking turf. Yeah, I tried to keep things as nuanced and even-handed as I could for both my videos, but I am now at the point of just sheer fucking exhaustion with hearing about this this person. Yeah. That, yeah, she clearly lied by omission. She is uh, morally reprehensible. As many of people have pointed out, it feels like this was a
1: deliberate act on her part in that she is clearly aware of like this being an industry-wide issue of underpayment of voice actors well and how could you not be in her position right exactly but she very specifically made it an issue of boycott this game because i didn't get paid enough like she never brought up anyone else getting underpaid she she, as far as she was concerned it really did seem to be a i got underpaid and that's the problem and that is a problem but also eh, can we have this conversation without
2: you now? Yeah, I'm less concerned about you not getting paid now.
1: As an individual, I'm not super stressed about you not getting paid. As an
2: individual, you specifically, less concerned about you getting paid.
1: But, like, you know, industry-wide, yeah. Uh, and we've got one last story, so we don't have to end on that. Uh, it's kind. Of, there's not much of a story, but it's a placeholder for now. So we've been talking a bit this last few weeks about the fact that um, lots of staff from Disco Elysium... involuntarily left the studio. Now we have the update that Disco Elysium's lead designer, uh, Robert Kervitz, has filed a lawsuit against developer ZAUM. We don't know basically any specifics right now. The lawsuit has been filed with the Estonian Court. There will be a hearing on the 28th of November, which is probably when we will hear more about this. But... Yeah, it seems like probably in the next six weeks we're going to start hearing some specifics about what went down there. Mm -hmm. So that's a keep an eye on for the future and hopefully have a bit more insight into all of the stuff that's been very vaguely talked about the last few weeks. Uh, But yeah, I think
0: that is it for this week. I think that's everything. Well, well, well. Another podcast done. Aren't you pleased with yourselves? Uh, Laura? (gasps) Yeah? What would please me right now is hearing about all of the stuff that you do.
1: All of the stuff that I do? Well, you can find me at Laura K Buzz in all the places on the internet. Just search Laura K Buzz, you'll find me all over the place. This week, hey, go check out Spectrum Wrestling's Rejoice event and the the, the pre-show and all the matches. I do the pre-show and I commentate over all the matches. You should go watch the thing. Go check out the Spectrum Wrestling uh, Twitter account and that will have links because there's no custom URL for that yet. Also, if you're at MCM in London this weekend, I may be about. If you see me, say hi. But yeah, the main one's Patreon. Go go, chuck me a, a dollar a month if you can, if you can, to let me keep doing this as the thing that I do.
2: What about you, Conrad? Uh, you can find me at Conrad Zimmerman on Twitter and Instagram. You can check out my cat Potato Wand on Instagram at One Eye Potato. Uh, he's very cute. He just went to the vet, and uh, he was a very, very good boy. Uh, you could buy anti-capitalist propaganda that I make at Pinfultruth.com. Audiobooks at Conradreads.com. Hang out with me on Twitch, Twitch.tv/ThatConradZimmerman. And everything I do online gets supported through Patreon at patreon.com slash Fistshark. And you know who else has Patreon? (gasps) James Stephanie Sterling. James Stephanie Sterling, that's me.
0: And my Patreon is at patreon.com slash Jimquisition. I am back in the game review business as well. Uh, You can check all those out at thejimquisition.com. I do believe a Gotham Knights review will be ready before this podcast is out. Uh, I also stream at twitch.tv slash Jim Sterling. Do check out the bestiary in Vampire Survivors. I wrote that, as well as the game's stage descriptions. My next wrestling appearance is November 4th in Leeds for True Grit Wrestling. And uh, the next uh, event for Spectrum Wrestling is out in Sheffield, November 19th. Uh, You can get tickets for that by tickets.at slash Spectrum Wrestling. And that's it. From me and from this show, thank you as always for listening and supporting. And we will speak to you all next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.